Hello, I'm Tom Watley, and in this episode of Maker Mixtapes, we're talking about demand generation made simple. Maker Mixtapes is a podcast about the entrepreneurs, creators, and marketers building cool stuff in their field. From content marketing and demand generation in today's example to YouTube, agency life, e-commerce, it's my job to dissect their success. Today, I'm joined by Gaetano Dinardi, the head of growth at the communications platform Nextiva. Now, when we recorded this conversation, Gaetano was recovering from COVID, and it was absolutely mad that he still agreed to go ahead. Despite that, we still had a great conversation, and it's jam-packed full of marketing gold. We talk about demand generation, community building, effective SEO, and why his team decided to ditch quarterly marketing plans in favor of bi-weekly sprints. Enjoy. Cool. Guy Otano, pleasure to have you. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, no doubt, Tom. Thanks for having me. I think a good place to start is your journey to how you got to Nextiva, because I think it's an interesting one, and I think listeners will find it incredibly valuable. Could you, yeah, tell me a little bit about the journey to how you got to where you are today? Yeah, man. So I started at an agency. Well, I, first of all, I fell ass backwards into SEO. I was doing a lot of blogging about my perilous journey as a music producer in New York. I started writing a lot about that. And then I noticed people were finding my content naturally. And I love the idea of not having to promote my stuff and people finding it. That was cool. And from there, I, I realized that I had really, I really liked SEO because promoting your content sucks. Like no one enjoys doing that. So not having to do that was kind of like a cheat code. And so then I realized that's what I wanted to do. And so I hit up uh, Mike King. He was uh, still one of the top SEOs out there. Uh, he took a shot on me, you know, he was starting an agency and I was the second person hired. I worked with him for about two years, moved on to Pipedrive. That's where you and I met. We did a lot of great work there, had a successful run, decided to move on to Sales Hacker. I think you and I did some work there as well together, some collaborations and stuff like that. Uh, you know, the story goes there. Sales Hacker was kind of flat, kind of stagnating. I helped turn things around, reshaped the, the revenue model. Company got acquired by Outreach. And then I didn't want to go to outreach. So I had known Yaniv, the CMO at Nextiva for a while. And I said, hey, man, I think it's about time we, we consider working together. And boom, happened just like that. Two and a half years later, here we are. I love it, man. What a, what a great journey. And starting out in the, uh, the world of agency seems to be a common first step. Do you think working for, I, I think it was iPull Rank was the name of the agency, right? Do you feel it set you up to add some more context into the world of SEO and demand gen in general? Yeah, I would say any growth marketer looking to really make a, a long-term run should start their career at an agency if possible because you're going to get exposed to things that you just won't get exposed to in-house and you, like your tactical chops will just become very, very sharp. So you'll learn how to use tools You'll learn how to do website audits. You'll learn how to understand technical things. You'll learn about content. You'll learn about audience development. You work with a bunch of different types of clients, different industries. You kind of get ran through the gamut and then that sets you up for long-term success. But I think if you stay at an agency too long, you kind of get into the hamster wheel. Eventually you should go in-house because you, you ultimately need to see what happens when you implement the work. That's the problem with the agency. A lot of them don't implement the work. 
you make all these recommendations, it takes the client a year to do 25% of the recommendations. You don't see what happens. It, you know, it's all up in the air. When in-house, you're actually responsible for the outcome. So that's why I would suggest starting at an agency, but then making your way in-house at some point if you can. Yeah, that sense of ownership and actually seeing a lot of the metrics and the results that you can't always see at an agency, that's a lot more fulfilling, I think. Definitely. Definitely. So you've made kind of this this journey into demand generation, actually. It started off as SEO. Let me go back one step, actually. Why did you choose to focus on B2B? You know, you were generating traffic around the world of music, which if we're going to, you know, separate them in B2C and B2B buckets, it's, it's kind of in the former. Why, why B2B? Yeah, you know, I had worked with B2C clients in, in my agency days, and it just wasn't as fun. I don't know what it was. You would think that working with brands like Major League Baseball and Complex is, is like, oh, exciting, but it, it just wasn't as fun. I think the websites are too large. It's too enormous. It, it's just a different kind of, of marketing style. And I think you, you have to really like that style. For me, I felt like I could make more of an impact with B2B clients. And, and I did a really good job with, with the B2B sites that we worked on. And I just, I just picked it up fast. Like I figured it out with software, you know, like that was my, that was what I really thrived in early on. I, I figured out the game fast. And so what I realized was, all right, well, no matter whether I'm working with pipe drive or whatever, the software B2B game is kind of all the same. If you really think about it, it's not too much it, it doesn't get too different. You still have to do the same kinds of things. And so I just felt that B2B for me is just easier. I had a more natural traction to it and I, I figured it out. And so I think that's just why I went the B2B route. The other thing that I like about B2B is you just tend to work with sales more closely. And that's and that's the other reason why I decided to go down the, the path of B2B. Yeah, it's interesting. You use the word easy. I started off my marketing career in, in e-commerce. Uh, I sucked. And then joined a SaaS company and things just took off. So I think there's definitely an attraction there. I think in, in the B2B world, there's this demand generation is becoming a practice in its own. And I noticed on LinkedIn until recently, you were the director of demand generation at Nextiva. You're more kind of leaning towards growth now. But what is your philosophy when it comes to demand generation? And I guess more specifically, if you were to develop a demand generation strategy from scratch for a startup now, what would that look like? You know, it kind of reminds me too of the difference between B2C and B2B. B2C is all about big volume and scale. B2B is more about precision and quality. And so the, the I, I, I think about the way you measure demand gen is by lead quality and, and why do so many companies um, not do this? They're still obsessed with like MQLs and raw leads and they want to, they create content. Why? How many leads will this drive? You know, I hate that. They want to, you know, track a million metrics that aren't going to, going to matter. The way I think about it is do things that don't scale. Don't look to measure every little irrelevant thing. Don't create content based on leads don't do the stupid sort of paid ads to ebook download to email automation, predictable funnel, like all that shit is getting played out. Even like the webinar to, you know, a million uh, sales email follow-ups after that all automated, you know? So th these are the things that a lot of companies are still doing now. They were taught these practices by the tech vendors. Think about it. If you're a 
a company that sells marketing automation, what are you going to go and preach all these sort of stupid things, right? Because it, it, because it feeds into your business model as a tech vendor. And so marketers are, they've been, they've been bamboozled. They've been, they've been duped. And so it takes a lot of balls to, to call that out and say, I'm not going to go down that path. So to me, great demand gen is lead quality. And the way you, you go about doing that is just, you, you really dominate your niche with great education and great content all the time. You, you know, you, you dominate the review sites because that's the other part too, is like, you have to be well represented on all these review sites. Shoppers are, are going to come to you last. They're going to go to peers and other review sites first. And so I would think about all the places where your competitors are being talked about. Make sure, you know, you're also part of those conversations. Good, review, good reviews on all the review sites. That's probably the biggest and most important thing now. Great content strategy. Don't outsource your content to some, uh, you know, <laughs> shitty ass ghostwriter out there who doesn't really know the subject matter creates dry stale repurposed regurgitated content that just looks like everything else out there don't use all your your vc money on ads and bankrupt your company in a year after just burning through cash i could go on and on about this but those are just some off the top i saw um a couple of videos by chris from refine labs recently actually um one or two of which you're in and he talks about there's no such thing as mql or sql it's binary you know it's either an opportunity or it's not and i i feel like a lot more b2b marketers are now following that philosophy which is really refreshing what i'm curious about is how does your I want to kind of lean into content strategies specifically because I think that's something that fascinates me the most. How how does your content strategy lean into that philosophy without being too volume driven? Or is it more of a balancing act? So for us, we have sort of the, we've adopted a content strategy that's similar to what Ahrefs does. They only produce content based on topics that have keyword search volume and that could educate the market on problems that the target audience is having, which could eventually lead to a sale of the product. And so if it doesn't have keyword oriented opportunity around it, we pretty much don't publish it. We, we break it down by various different persona types that we, that we have, that we target. So for us, the main ones are business owners, call center managers, and then IT nerds, CIOs, stuff like that. So those are kind of the three high level categories of people that we target. So it's all about, does the, is there keyword opportunity around this? Does it align or fit into any of these um, categories of people that we're trying to reach or serve? And then the other thing is video. So no, no one does video well in our industry. And um, we've kind of gone all in on YouTube SEO and it's been great. So we, we pair landing page with affiliate marketing, with video content, with ads, with blog. So with landing pages. So, you know, we have all those things working together, driving positive reviews, being mentioned in all the analyst reports, G2 making sure we're represented highly on that grid, you know, that quadrant, doing all those things together. It, that's what, that's what demand gen is about. Not, Hey, you know, some prospect might buy six months from now, who, who you know, <laughs> every company wants to predict 
how many companies are going to buy six months from now. So they would rather have them in the database super early rather than just waiting until they're really ready to buy. You know, they would rather say, Hey, I had some very early preliminary conversation with this company. They might buy six months from now, but just so I could market as pipeline, you know, uh, that's a vanity metric. Company, it's a vanity metric in, yeah, in the sales pipeline. Yeah. Yeah. So you're better off just not worrying about, marking it as pipeline that early, you know, you're better off just waiting until they raise their damn hand and say, all right, now I'm really ready to, to make this a serious consideration just because companies are really like they're, they're almost paranoid around creating this forecast of what kind of, you know, revenue is going to come and not having that visibility to them is very scary. But if you just did good demand gen and didn't care about, marking it as pipeline six months early when it's not even a serious consideration you'd be much better off the whole quota thing seems very backwards and it like you say it comes down to capturing the people who are kind of hungry for it now you you mentioned video just now and youtube seo is like such an untapped opportunity do you align the video topics that you go after with like certain themes and do you kind of spread those themes across every piece of content that you create when it comes to blog posts, video, do you kind of like double down a multimedia approach or do you look at the channel agnostic opportunity? Yeah. So pretty much every blog post has a corresponding video to go with it. And we kind of, you know, double attack it. And then we embed the videos into the blog articles, link to the blog articles from the YouTube video description, all that sort of fun stuff, repurpose those videos for organic social paid ads, YouTube pre-roll, shit like that. Yeah, amazing, amazing. And it helps with video SEO as well, right? Do you find that a lot of those videos are at the top of the Google SERPs for the target keywords sometimes? Yeah, definitely. So we, we've started to see that videos and articles are double occupying SERP real estate for us, which is great. So we're going all in on that. I haven't actually, I didn't realize Nextiva had a YouTube channel. What kind of video formats are you going for and what is the production process like is it one thing that b2b marketers often say is that video is expensive and it's time consuming what does your production process look like so it doesn't have to be too crazy you know so if you check out the ah we literally copied ahf's video strategy <laughs> so if you see it's just what you need is really just two things you need a subject matter expert someone who really knows their shit and they can deliver on camera on script, be believable, be credible, be confident, good delivery. And that's really it, you know? And then of course, you know, things like post-production editing are easy. You can outsource that if you can't afford it in-house, whatever. But usually just five to seven minute explainer videos, you know, cuts to screenshots and little diagrams and stuff like that along the way. Do you get fancy with animation? Do you inject that in there or? Yeah, not too fancy, but we, we do a little, we do a little bit of it, you know, just to spice things up. But we, you know, we have a couple of different people that create these videos for us. We work on the scripts together. They usually reflects what the blog articles are talking about five to seven minutes, not too long, not too short. Seems And it seems to be working for us, so we're going to keep it going. Yeah. How are you ensuring visibility? Is there like any best practice when it comes to YouTube SEO, similar to the traditional SEO model? Well, you know, it's the traditional sort of best practices, right? Um, headlines, descriptions, your channel authority, your dwell time, um, embedding those videos into 
other um, places where they can get visibility, right? And then just over time, that's just going to compound. There's, you know, there's not really a an exact checklist to unlocking YouTube SEO success, but we know that if we just continue to follow the basic best practices and principles of good SEO, that will be successful in the long run. Yeah, you can always optimize it later, right? Your content strategy in general, do you have a distribution approach to all this content you're creating? A lot of the content we create is not that sexy. It's not, it's not that sexy, you know, like cloud PBX features, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, I can't really promote that. And so there's, there's, not, this, there's not a subreddit for it then. Hey, <laughs> I mean, there kind of is, but like even Reddit, they don't want you doing anything too promotional. Hmm. So there's this concept of silent traffic or silent distribution, which is you just let it get found by people who need it. That's the strategy. <laughs> you don't, <laughs> you know, similar to my music production blogging days, you don't go too crazy with the, with the distribution side Although I would love to figure out how to, how to do good content distribution in our industry. You know, we, we obviously like, you know, we promote some articles with paid media, but the majority of stuff that we produce is not very sexy. And therefore we just go with the mindset of, all right, this is going to be silent sort of traffic that, you know, it gets found by people who need it in search. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. Do you, do you kind of give it a little bit of a push beyond paid amplification or do you just rely on your internal linking and the authority that the Nextiva domain and pages already have? That's right. Internal linking, backlinking. That's how we go about amplifying the authority of these new blog pages that we that we create. Yeah, that's really fascinating to hear because a lot of people in the content world say that you need a very rigorous promotional strategy and run through all these you know, tick boxes, you know, share it to Quora, Reddit, growth hackers, but sometimes you just got to let it do its thing, right? Yeah, because it's not, it's not 52 email templates that will drive growth. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it, steal these templates now. It's not sh sexy shit like that. I could put cloud PBX features and growth hackers and they'd be like, who fucking cares, you know? So, so we just kind of go with the silent approach. Yeah. How does your content perform from a conversion perspective whether that's lead gen i don't think i'm not sure is next a sign up trial driven platform yeah so it's basically get a pricing quote or just start a free trial and uh our content converts very well because we we know what we're doing certain things convert much better than others and we know that most of our blog is not going to convert and we don't really care we look at our, we look at our blog in terms of are we capturing high engagement on this content so for example if it's like some really long tail article what's the average time on page look like are they clicking through to more content from that page we don't really look at that article in terms of how many signups did this drive because question I even asked, and this is something you know from the, my pipe drive days, when have you ever read a blog article and bought something? Probably never. And so our landing pages convert great. Our affiliate pages convert great because of the intent of the traffic. But for a lot of those middle of funnel pieces, we just know that we're educating the market and we're grabbing mind share and we're fighting for attention share. And that's what we want. 100%. Is, is there, you know, any metric at all that you use to measure the performance of that middle of funnel or even top of funnel content at all? Is there a way of attributing a particular touch point that led to a conversion later on? Yeah, yeah. Getting really technical. Yeah, here. yeah. Nah. <laughs> so a couple of things we look at, 
we just look at the average time on pH. Does it feel right? You know, that's something that's kind of intuitive, but we look at that. We look at, does it rank? So d- does it rank number one or very highly for the intended SERPs? That's important. And then finally, is there some kind of assisted conversion? So for example, does it at least send click through to to a product page from that blog article? And those are all things that we look at as well. Do you find it's quite tough to justify the spend and the effort and the resources going into that kind of content at the moment? Because there's a lot of rhetoric around content having to perform. You know, it must be incredibly product driven. And if you can't attribute direct conversions, then it's not worth it. Like, how would you come to a stakeholder and say, this is the right way to go? you know, conversion should be assisted or even secondary to awareness and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I think this is going to be tough, but I'll just straight up tell you. Do it. You gotta, you gotta work at a company that just believes in, in investing in, in organic demand gen because they know it's going to pay off later and that not every single thing can be tracked and that you should not be producing content purely for leads, that there has to be some level of investment around this, which cannot be directly correlated back to lead gen, that you're doing it to educate a market and capture mindshare. So if you do not have leadership who believes in that it's going to be very difficult because you're always going to be fighting this uphill battle of well how many signups did that article get and that's not a battle you want to fight so if you're not working with a company that believes in doing the right thing which is investing in organic demand gen because you want to serve a, a educational purpose in your market educate your buyers and you know that they're going to remember you when the time is right then you probably shouldn't be working at that company because you philosophically do not align on marketing values. It's the same reason why a podcast cannot be tracked, yet it's one of the most powerful and arguably best ways to, to create a content strategy, right? This is why you're doing one. And you cannot really track the success of a podcast. You know, there's no UTMs, there's no lead, lead gen mechanisms, but there, if you have a really good podcast and people discover you through it, you're going to know. And so bottom line is you just need to work somewhere where you're aligned with management on these core principles. Sidestepping for a second into community. I know you're a big advocate of community building in the business world, but you've built one as part of a passion project, Musicians in Tech. Could you tell me a little bit about the journey to building that and also why you built it in the first place? Yeah, man, I just wanted to do something different. You know, Uh, first of all, there are a lot of musicians like myself out there who, you know, work in tech and they they view music production and just being, you know, having music as an escape route, whether you play guitar, whether you make beats, whether you write songs, there's actually a ton of people out there who do this and you you wouldn't know it. And so the goal was really just creating this so that I could do something different and then unite people that have this in common. If you look at LinkedIn on any given day, you're gonna see cold calling versus social selling, Uh, MQL versus SQL, like all the same shit. Sometimes I just scroll through my feed and I'm like, fuck, man, it's literally the same shit every day. So I created it just to do something different. And how's it going? It's going really well. I've got like five episodes recorded. I only released one so far. Guilty, you know, is my time. You know, I'm guilty of kind of just not getting around to 
uh, publishing as much content and distributing it as much as I want due to time. But I'm looking to turn that around in 2021. Yeah. Have you kind of followed a traditional community model? Like, is there a Slack group with a bunch of you in it or are you just creating content? Right now, it's just a newsletter and just the podcast and that's it. So I don't know if I'll do a Slack group. There's just too many Slack groups. I don't know. I got to think about it more. And plus to manage a Slack group is hard. I've got to think about that a little bit more. But I, I do have an email list that I grew from scratch to about 500 subscribers. I don't send emails a lot. I only sent one email so far, actually. Yeah, I'll probably just keep that going for now and see where it ends up. Yeah. Fair enough, man. You you just talked about LinkedIn. I'm just going to go back to Nextivo for a second because um, it reminded me of a post I saw a few weeks back about how you guys test new marketing approaches in the form of a sprint, right? How, how do you go about doing that in terms of prioritizing different activities and how do you measure success? Like when do you say, okay, let's scale this or no, let's move on? Pretty simple, man. You know, we... Um... We don't do quarterly planning, six months planning, you know, shit like that. It's just too difficult. Too much is changing too fast. And so we started operating on a biweekly sprint where the first Monday we go through what all the big opportunities are. We reshuffle the deck and then we say, all right, in two weeks time, here's what each person is committing to. We have a check-in at the midway point and then we have a sprint review at the end. And it's, it's pretty much that simple and it's just a more agile and I feel flexible and productive way to work as a, as a remote marketing team of, of now nine marketers. So nice, nice man. So sorry, your sprints, they, they go on for two weeks. Is that? Yeah. Why two weeks and not, you know, one week or even a month? Month is too long. Week is too short. <laughs> well, we <laughs> Goldilocks. Well, yeah, what we found with 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 week is that shit gets held up. Shit will get caught up in design. It'll get stuck in dev. It'll get stuck in QA. Writers will get behind on their stuff. Editorial will take longer than we anticipated. Something big will come up that we all have to shift our attention to. So we found that a week we we left ourselves scrambling a little bit, but two weeks was the sweet spot. Yeah, nice. It just accepts the reality that shit's going to come up that you need to deal with as well. That's right. You said uh, you shuffle the deck. What does that deck look like? Do you have like a Kanban board full of all of these ideas and you just go through and like, right, it's this one. That's right. That's right. So whether it's, you know, redesigning a landing page, working on a new affiliate landing page test, PPC traffic test, building links to a specific organic page, new blog content, video, email. I mean, you name it. There's so many things that we work on at any, any given time and we you know, we shuffle that deck according to where we see the best opportunity at the time. Awesome. That's a really good way of doing it. Are there any experiments coming up that you're really excited about? You know, on that note as well, what are you up to in the next six months that you're really just about to? Like, what are you guys building at Nextiva, not just from a marketing perspective, but as a product and a brand? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think from the marketing side, it's just good old fashioned hard work, you know, so building more organic content, ranking for more money keywords, continuing to refine our affiliate program, more PPC traffic tests, we're constantly, you know, testing against paid traffic. That's something that quite frankly, never ends. So we keep that going. And in terms of like the, like a big milestone project, I don't know if you remember that pipe drive resources center that we built. 
but we're doing something similar to that at Nextivo, which is going to be really um, cool and exciting as well. Nice. Yeah, man. Lots of lots of big projects. Yeah, yeah. Just keeping shit moving. I've got one last question that kind of goes back to something we were talking earlier because it just came up. You've always been an advocate of link building. However, when it comes to building what, for lack of a better word, is boring content that no one wants to see on growth hackers how do you go about building contextual links to those pieces of content and do you even do it yeah um and so believe it or not there are a lot of like it nerd sites out there tech blogs that really focus on like unified communication uh, there's this new category called CPaaS communication platform as a service and so there's <laughs> there's so many as a services now and so there are so many companies writing about shit that it's really easy for us to just do keyword monitoring and then hit up those sites and ask them for links when they write about shit that's relevant to us and then guest posting that's still you know tried and true that that still works Reach. yeah <laughs> tried and true uh that 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 works you know we have some people at the company who have some pretty impressive credentials so like our cio for example we can get him bylines on many of the top sites out there due to his background and so broken link buildings, you know, it really never changes. It's, it's, and then good old fashioned street cred, you know, I'm well connected. Our CMO is well connected. You know, we need a favor. Hey, can you hook us up? Boom, done. You need links. We need links. Here's a way to do it. That's not going to piss anybody off. Let's collaborate. That's it. Totally agree. Awesome, man. Listen, thank you so much for spilling the beans on everything you're up to where can people learn more about what you're doing and about you as well yeah man um just go to the musicians and tech podcast and uh you can always hit me up on linkedin as well awesome gaitano thank you so much yeah tom thank you bro thanks for listening before you dash just a quick note to share a free ebook we just published called the content operations playbook if you're interested in content marketing and SEO, then this ebook is for you. We lift the hood up on our own editorial and content production processes from hiring writers, creating solid content briefs, polishing content to be the best it can be, and of course, distributing it to actually generate traffic. It's totally free and you can download it over at grizzle.io forward slash content ops. That's www.grizzle.io forward slash content ops. And hey, if you enjoy this podcast, feel free to subscribe. We've got a lot of great conversations lined up with experts in the world of business, marketing, and entrepreneurship coming up. Thanks again.